Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Small Town Hunter Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Don Baker, and today, today was pretty interesting. We, uh, I went by Kenneth Bowman's Taxidermy Studio in Anadarko, Oklahoma, picked up my 2020 archery buck that he mounted for me. It looks fantastic. Had a chance to sit down and talk with him about, you know, all the things that any common person or somebody that may be new to the game, what they need to do to get their deer mounted and and how all that stuff works and he's a uh, several award-winning taxidermy champion state and national so it was always a pleasure to to get talk to him he does a lot of our stuff and has for several years so hope you enjoy this episode hope you learn something hello everybody welcome back to the small town hunter podcast i'm your host joe don baker Today, I have come to Bowman's Taxidermy Studio, Anadarko, Oklahoma. Kenneth has been doing our stuff for a long time. I don't even know how many deer, mount, or uh, not, I was going to say mountain lions, but we haven't done any of them yet. Uh, deer, whitetail, mule deer, javelina, axis, you name it. We've, done, we've had a lot of stuff run through the shop. Yeah, several pieces. Joe Don and all his buddies, his hunting buddies. That's right. You would think that we could get some discounts up in this rig, but he says that ain't happening. Yeah, guys <laughs> got to survive. You know? So Kenneth is a he's a local guy here in Anadarko. He was a, a school teacher for how many years? Thirty-one years. Thirty-one year school teacher has hung it up in the public school system, and now he's doing taxidermy full time. Retired. So we're excited to see him do that. Maybe our stuff will come out the door a little quicker next year. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We love you. But uh, I picked up my uh, 2020 bow buck today. I'm, I'm tickled to death. It's the largest deer I've shot to date, and Bowman did not disappoint. But Bowman, every time I come in here, I look at all these medals and trophies and ribbons. And What would you say means the most to you on that wall over there? Uh, in 2009, I won the world championship with the largemouth bass. That's obviously the the most prestigious of those awards. That's the hardest one to get. Yeah, and I, I've won a couple of national championships, North American championships. And, uh, I think I've won 15 state championships. Wow. How long have you been doing taxidermy? 32 years. So right before you got into teaching at the school? No, it was about the same time, really. Oh, I mean, yeah. they, were, they were pretty close. They were pretty close. I, I think I mounted the first thing I remember was 1989. So What was that? I think I mounted a duck, to be honest with you. On your first go-round? Mm-hmm. That'll yeah. humble you real quick. It humbled me real quick, and I did it for about 10 years and finally gave all the birds up. So I just recommend a few quality guys to do the birds anymore, and I do the rest of it. So what got you into taxidermy? What started it all? Well, I was an avid hunter, hunter and fisherman. I loved to go hunting. I loved to go fishing and had a couple of things mounted. My dad had mounted a couple of things for me. and it was He, did, he actually did no, the... No, no, oh. no, 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 no. He had them done for me. He right. paid a, Someone else did. Yeah, to... someone else did it. And so it was intriguing, and I was uh, in my... Uh, We'll call it the added year of college, the one that's after your fourth year of college. <laughs> and uh, I had a zoology professor that uh, did museum mounts, and he, he 
Really? I like to hunt and fish. And For museum specimens? Yeah, they were all birds. And uh, basically asked me if I wanted to help him. And I brought him some ducks and stuff in and, and uh, other stuff. And Were they pretty we rough? on them. And, oh, I'm sure they were. But uh, uh, he basically kind of showed me how to just do those kind of specimens. And I asked him about Good that. enough? Yeah. For museum, yeah, and I asked him about taxidermy stuff, and he wasn't real for sure, but he thought he had a little book in his office. So we, next time we was in his office, he had that little book for me, and and he gave that little taxidermy book to me. And I think I found a home book of taxidermy on Bass Pro Shops and started trying it, and all my buddies loaded me up. So that was like mail order stuff right back then, right? Where you could order like. A generic uh, bird form with I generic think, wire and stuff? I, I think the very first company I ever ordered from was Wasco. Uh, and Wasco had some, like, taxidermy kits. Right. And they, they still do? Or did they well, get bought out, they, they? they? got bought out by McKinsey. Like along, everything uh, else? Along with all the rest of the taxidermy deals in the world, McKinsey's completely bought them out. There's just a few people left that haven't sold out. Yeah, right? there, there's individuals. But uh, McKinsey owns quite a bit. So That's crazy. So, what would you say would be the most unique piece that's ever come in here? Oh, probably a Joe Don Baker's Havelina. No. Uh, really? No. Oh. Uh, I did a maybe I don't, I, seven, seven and a half foot alligator gar. and Really? About killed me. and uh, Was that a skin mount or a reproduction? A skin mount. I, I swore off alligator gar for the rest of my life, and I've turned several down since Really? Then. So, what's something like that way? I don't know what it weighed, but I had I hate seven and a half foot. I heave hold it around, and it was pretty rough. So at age fifty-five, I don't know if I want to do no more alligator guards. Wow! I think I used a skill saw to cut it open. It You're so kidding! It was, it was horrible. Because those scales are so hard. Yeah, it was no no fun whatsoever. They're prehistoric for sure. Prehistoric. Huh? Prehistoric pain in the rear. So obviously, white-tailed deer would probably be the something that comes through here the most. Yeah, would you say? I mean, obviously. White-tailed deer and, and fish, yeah, pretty much load this place down. But you know, there's well, when in the world with a largemouth bass, and you can see why. Yeah, I mean, I do a lot of the fish besides largemouth, but uh, I do I do a lot of fish. There's not a ton of fish taxidermists around. Really? There, everybody's a white-tailed taxidermist, but uh, probably what they got started in, or, yeah, or the most I common. Mean, whitetails are the main market here in Oklahoma. But mm-hmm. I mean, if you're going to make money in Taxidermy in Oklahoma, you're going to be doing whitetails. Uh, and other native species, too, right? Yeah, but, I mean, they don't pay the bills like whitetails do. Cause right. Everybody's a whitetail hunter, you Sure. Know? It's, it's kind of that way. And, uh, Would you agree that, like, pretty much everybody that's a hunter these days, they hunt whitetails? If they're no, a, I don't know. I mean, I, I know there's some guys... Or at least cut their teeth on it anyway. They don't do anything but... Ducks. Yeah, that's know, true. I, I thought I didn't think my, about that. My dad was an avid quail hunter. He wasn't. Uh, that was back when we had quail, though. That was back when we had quail, and he raised bird dogs. So I was always around hunting, and he uh, he was a very, very, very avid fisherman. And he loved to fish, so. That's what you do yeah, most of nowadays, right? Uh, yeah, I love to fish, too. So I still hunt whitetails, and I still go fishing. So if somebody was to bring you, let's say, a whitetail. Or any other taxidermist. Say, I'm planning on going on a trip this weekend to my deer lease or my right. uncle's farm, and I, I shoot a deer that I want to preserve that animal. What would be the first steps that you would recommend somebody take? Well, the first thing you got to do is 
it's got to be it it's got to be cooled down and you keep water off of it okay because what causes slippage or cake spoilage where the hair falls out of them is bacterial decomposition and the two things that bacteria need is warmth and moisture mm -hmm. so you keep your capes dry and cold i mean you keep them as cold as absolutely possible if you, you know well, I know that a lot of the rules have changed, too, from bringing in stuff from out of state. Yeah. You know, for CWD stuff, yeah. you know, making sure that skull plate and stuff's cut out. Yeah, it can't have any neurological matter. So you Brain can't, stem. You can't bring me a skull from Colorado that has... Brain still in it. Brains in it. So if they're going to cut the skull plate, let's say they somehow cape it out to right. where it doesn't hurt, well, you, hurt what you yeah. got going. What's the best way to tell somebody how to cut that skull plate out? Well, you cut... It's, it's, it's hard. So you cut down in front of the burrs. I'd cut down in front of the burrs about an inch. On the forehead. Come in from the back side of the head underneath the burrs about an inch, and that way you leave them plenty of room. But more likely, that's not the part that's going to get damaged. So the part that's going to get damaged is somebody caping the deer. The face. You know, caping the deer out. So more than likely, if you're off in a place like that, you probably could hire a taxidermist or hire somebody trained to get that cape off of there and get those skull, that skull separated. And, and there's a piece of duramater in there that's got to be removed. I mean, you, a what? It's just a membrane that it cleans. They can make you remove that too. Where's that? Just, Where's that membrane? It, between the bone and the brain. Oh, okay. Oh, it, yeah, yeah, inside it, the skull. It, it clings to both, yeah. So I know what you're, you're talking you're about. You're best off to kind of have a game plan. I mean, and there's other taxidermists that'll take stuff out and charge you a, a fee for it. But, I mean, that that's your only option. I had to turn down a few elk this year because of that reason. Because They still have brain matter or something? Well, no, I mean, they just they can't cross the borders with them. They're having to... Hmm. You know, I basically told them they had to leave them with another taxidermist there or have them do something with them. Or hmm. It's, uh, you know, and I'm sure we don't want CWD, but I'm sure it's 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 broke into the pocketbooks of a lot of taxidermists. Oh, I'm sure. You know, but I mean, there's taxidermists that take stuff out, you know, before it crosses borders and stuff. And sure. They'll, they'll charge you, you know, they might charge you. 75 and they realize, hey, you're going back to Oklahoma. There's no sense in you using me anyway. Because the shipping will be outrageous. Yeah. I, I mean, I've done it before, so it's, it's, it's a big deal to them, I don't think. Right. Know. So let's say let's say they're local, and they, they want to shoot a deer or whatever. Do they just need to get it to you as quick as possible? Do they need to skin it to the neck and then freeze it and bring it to you? Well, they could skin it out to the neck. They need to, you know, they need to careful but i mean for you to cape it you know what i'm saying obviously if i'm available i have a refrigerator i can put them in till they can be caped you know uh but i mean a re refrigerating them overnight or something like that and a lot of times in in the winter when it's deer season it's super cool outside yeah you could you know you could open up the carcass and you can mess with it in the morning i mean that's fine but i mean i, I some you know some of the problems these guys go to, to ranches in the summertime and it's 90 95 especially degrees. with the exotics and stuff yeah exotics and they don't get that stuff taken care of that that heat is bad I mean, deal you, you got to realize there's a there's a there's a there's a line say we've got a two foot line here and that that deer that deer expires that line just starts getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller 
then finally the hair starts falling out. Like grains of sand in an hourglass. Yeah. I mean, you've got a timeline. So, I mean, basically, if it's super cold outside and you're not in a lot of moisture, uh, you're better off. I mean, one of the mistakes I kind of see guys will put them in ice chest and they just throw wet ice on top yeah. of them. Yeah. Well, you got them cold, but you got tons of moisture in there with them. Yeah, too. I've seen that too. But it's, it's better, that's better it's, than nothing. It's better though. than nothing. But, I mean, I would I would bag up the deer really good or bag up the ice really sure. good where they don't blend together, you know? Yeah. So, like, if somebody was to come in here or any other taxidermy shop around the country or Oklahoma or whatever, and they're needing help choosing a, a pose, like, what, what kind of steps or suggestions do you well, go through on that? I mean, that? obviously the Internet's full of stuff they could see. And most of the time your taxidermist kind of has an idea of which companies have which poses and stuff like that. Uh, I mean, there's there's some there's obviously the taxidermy supply companies are all online. I mean, you can find tons of pictures. You could just search mounted whitetails and bring one in and go, oh, I like this mount, you right? Know, and, uh, Which is kind of what I did with this one that I just picked up. Yeah. I, I had a game camera picture of this deer about a week yeah, before I killed him. That a and bit. I said, man, I really like this. And you yeah, got mad that, at me. <laughs> well, we probably won't get into that one. <laughs> But it turned out awesome. Yeah. It, it the, the pose is really, really close to what he was in that picture. And I don't have a whole lot of history with this deer because I killed this deer on my family's land. Yeah. I got my food plot planted. and di I didn't have the bolts to my stinking feeder. And I did this like first week of September. So then I came back a week later to bolt up the feeder legs and fill the feeder, put a camera out. And then a week later came back to check cameras. And he's on there. So I got a week's worth of trail camera pictures of him is all I have. And then I knew he was coming in every evening right before dark. I didn't know where or how or what. I just knew he was in that food plot at that feeder in front of that camera just before dark. So I, I walked down the fence and got in the creek and walked in the creek, never picking my feet up just to not make any splashing noise till I got even with my tree eased up in my because i didn't know where they were coming from i didn't want to bump them or anything and sure enough first evening right before dark yeah, he came in you, so he was pretty excited well that's the biggest deer i've ever shot and to kill him on family land you know still got a little velvet on him yeah it's cool and the the guy of course the internet being what it is these days i had posted a picture of him and some guy hit me up and he's like hey uh you know i said something we we aged the jawbone on that deer or i had you age it since you caped it out I said, hey, look at that deal and see how old he is. I think that's in the freezer over there. Oh, the jawbone? Mm -hmm. So you looked at it, and it matches what your thing says four and a half. Right. And so I was like, oh, he's a four and a half year old deer. Well, this guy, he's like, that deer's older than four and a half. I said, well, I'd like to think so, but we'll never know. No, this I, is all on social I, media. I, I think it's, yeah, but it's all what, so they're, what they're eating. He sends me game how, camera pictures of how? that buck from 2014. Really? Yes. And it's this, people are like, how do you know? I'm telling you, I'll show you the pictures when we get done. It's the same deer. Oh. Well, I mean, it depends, you know, how much, you know, what's in the soil and what they're eating and, you know, what they're grinding their teeth on. Sure. So those things are all not, you know, and you don't have any idea where those little casts actually were molded from. Sure. So. And I and I went to a, a whitetail management seminar one time, and they had X amount of biologists uh you know take these different jaw bones and age them here age them there whatever and they said uh they had a range from like the unknown they were pin raised deer a known age of a deer and the biologist 
had every jawbone anywhere from two to seven on every jawbone, yeah. and they were everywhere from two to seven, each one of them. You know, they may have had five five-year-olds, and every one of them had two to seven, two to seven, somewhere on there. Yeah. And so you don't really know, like you, you say. Don't know. It's just, and I'm not a professional at that. It's all good. But anyway, I thought it was cool that, that his buddy was hunting the neighboring property, and he had game camera pictures of him for years. And he got a hold of me, and, or I got a hold of him, and he was super stoked that I got him killed with a bow, especially, and, you know, which opened up the door to other deer we had on camera. Like, hey, man, I don't know if there's anybody else hunting around here. Let's let this deer walk. What do you think about this one? What are you seeing? And we were open with each other about what deer we were seeing and all that, and I think that helps a bunch with other landowners or guys that are hunting around you to try to, you know, you can turn your place. I killed this deer on 72 acres. You can't manage 72 acres. There may be three weeks at a time they're in a deer one on 72 acres, you know. But if we can take 1,500, 2,000, 2,500 acres around it and get everybody on the same page, which I know is super hard to do, especially in Oklahoma, you know, it's hard to find anything over 160 or, you know, like a 160 or maybe even a 320 that one guy has control over. So It's tough. But it's 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 part of it, and it's fun. And now that I've got this deer and all the other ones that you've done for me, and people are like, "Oh, you're a trophy hunter, this and that." No, it's not what it's about for me. It's about reliving that yeah. deer coming in, and how he was under the feeder facing me, and I never got a shot. And when I did shoot him, and I called my parents, and they come down with the pickup, and we all recovered that deer together, and they were more excited than I was. That's what that deer will remind me of yep. from now on. You know what I mean? Yep. It's not the, oh, look how big is And granted, it's the biggest deer I've ever shot. I don't know what he scores, but I can tell you by looking at him, he's the biggest deer I've ever shot. Yeah. I put a little bit of a tape on him as you know for green score, but not really knowing what I'm doing. So probably close. But it's, I don't know. I just look at it different than, than a lot of people. And, and maybe I don't. Maybe there's a lot of people that come in your shop think the same way. I don't know. I don't know. Or they they it was their first hunt with their right. son or kids first well, I, fish. I, I, get a, or, I get a lot of you know they shot their kids shot their first deer and that kind of stuff. You know I get a lot of those. And then I've got this regular guys that just mount a bunch of them. Right. Our buddy Josh over there, I think he mounts everything. He sees, <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. He's a. At one time he had what four or five different animals in here. A couple all dads oh, and yeah. axis deer yeah. and deer whitetail. All yeah. kinds of stuff. At one year, he had a heck of a year. He went all over the place. I know. Went to Texas hunting axis and. He's hunting everything. Which, you know, if a guy can do it and get out and experience those sort of things, it's it's a lot of fun. Yep. So what's uh, what's your 2021 season looking like? Well, I'm a tad behind right now because I uh, elected to do all of the tanning by myself. So I spent all the cooler days of winter and spring doing all my tanning. I've, I've had absolutely terrible luck with a lot of the tanneries around and stuff. Well, COVID hit and kind of threw you in COVID, a jam. And COVID threw all the tanneries behind. and uh, my, my main tannery called the other day and said it was coming by, but if I... Whatever I sent them, it would be nine months before I got it back. So Jeez. I can't really do that. On so. top of your wait time that your customers yeah, have to so wait I, anyway. Uh, I've been doing it all myself. It's a, it's a little bit backbreaking, but uh, capes are nicer. Well, you have control over it, too. I got, I full, I got full control over it, except for the big 
giant broadhead hole in the shoulder of three deer over there. Yeah, uh, that's my bad. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got a little forward. Yeah. But that cape is beautiful. It October was, I, 1. Yeah, I, 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 uh, I don't. Taxidermist did not invent rage broadheads. I mean, that's a pretty. Oh, that was a fixed blade. Oh, I know. Those rages throw a massive hole in them. So. Yeah. I shot that deer with a fixed four blade NAP Hellraiser. Mm. No, those are three blade. An NAP Hellraiser. I'm telling you, I'm not sponsored by them or anything, but that is a phenomenal uh, broadhead. It's razor sharp after two or three kills. Yeah. It's insane. They're sturdy. They fly good. I've killed javelina, deer, you name it. Yeah. Not, not elk or mule deer because I haven't bow hunted them yet. But yeah, we're going back to Montana again. I think I told you that we drew a tag. So hopefully, and the deer that was running with this one is still alive. So hopefully October one I can get in there and shoot him. He grew up. I hope so. He was a mainframe I, 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 10. I passed up a whole bunch of them myself. I hope some of them stayed on there. So. You haven't put out cameras yet? No. How are you supposed to keep track of what's out there? Uh, my fat self at 55 and this heat don't really go together on walking around them properties. Yeah. <laughs> it's hot today for sure. We, I, I tell you what, though, we've been real lucky this summer that we haven't had the crazy heat that we normally yeah, do until now. Nice. It's nice, really. So if you hear humming of fans or whatever right now we're in the shop and there's some fans moving around and some air, air conditioners blowing so we apologize for that but kenneth thank you for sitting down with me and explaining mm. anything if somebody wants to have something mounted how do they get a hold of you uh they can just just call the phone number uh, it's, uh 405-570-1051 uh there's a, there's a website bowmanstaxidermy.com you gotta make sure to spell it correctly it's b-a-u M-A-N. Uh, I've got a Facebook page. I've got a Instagram. Uh, there's actually a couple of Facebook pages. I sell I sell replica fish to taxidermists, so there's a page for them. It's pretty easy to find. Uh, Joe Don's trying to convince me I need TikTok. Yes, TikTok. Uh, I, that's all my wife does is watch TikTok. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of tired of TikToks, but anyway. Until a few months ago, I thought TikToks were for 12-year-old girls. I think I am following... Uh, I am following one person on TikTok now. Thankful to Jay, uh, Joe Don here. Oh yeah. So I'm I'm following Joe Don. Well, I I tell you what, I thought TikTok was for teenagers, but I got a TikTok and started looking at those videos. Dude, You're if you there. you got to have time to spend because you can get in a rabbit hole and you just keep on scrolling, and next thing you know, it's like an hour later. Yeah, it's it's obviously pretty. But there's a bunch of taxidermy stuff on there, and yep. not that you—it's long enough to like learn anything, but you can look at some cool yeah, stuff. Yeah, I've got several friends that have TikToks of that. I think we should create you a Bowman's taxidermy yeah. TikTok. Yeah. So I did a TikTok video this afternoon of the deer that I just picked up of my uh, 2020 bow buck. So if you go to the Axis Man on TikTok, you'll see it on there, and. Uh, I just, I like to create, you know, being creative and stuff in those videos and stuff like that. And it's fun to mess with. Not that it gains any kind of popularity or monetary gain, but yeah. it's fun to mess with anyway. Yeah. Pretty cool. All right. Well, Kenneth Bowman, Bowman's Taxidermy Studio, Anadarko, Oklahoma, 
the unofficial official taxidermist of the small town hunter crew. <laughs> I got my small town hunter sticker over there. There you go. We might need to get you a ball cap or something. Yeah. But you don't ever, ever wear ball caps, do you? I don't wear ball caps, so. Maybe we ought to get you one of them, fishing hat, fishing hat. them Yeti that. tumblers or something that you always... I think you did. No, I can't remember. i got so many of them, I don't know. I don't know. We'll hook you up with something. Well, Kenneth, thank you for coming right. on, man. I appreciate it. Good time. We're going to head this deer home and get him hung up and all that. So, if you enjoyed this episode, be sure and check out more. We got stuff anywhere from hunting draws out west to taxidermy tips, you name it. And we're going to be getting with a, another taxidermist real soon to try to bring you some tips. Uh, but he's a bird guy. So we're going to kind of get, yeah, we're going to get Garen caught him on here and, and give his tips and tactics on how to preserve your trophy of a lifetime. So thanks for listening to the Small Town Hunter podcast. As always, thanks again for listening to the Small Town Hunter podcast. We appreciate all the followers and listeners. You can check out what we got going on on our Facebook page, Instagram, and our YouTube channel. Everything you can find us at Small Town Hunter TV. Uh, leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. We really appreciate all the positive feedback, and this podcast is—it's uh, been a lot of fun to do, and uh, we're going to keep trying to bring it to you. So, thank you to all the supporters out there. Don't forget to go to our website, SmalltownHunterTV.com. Get all your Small Town Hunter swag, uh, things like that. You'll be looking sharp on your next hunting adventure. Thank you.